Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. squad and welcome to ranks fc it's your favorite football podcast back for a second time this week and back with the last of our preview shows ahead of this european season my name is jack collins and i'll be your host today and we're talking all things bundesliga i'm delighted to say that today i'm going to be joined by mr kevin hatchard commentator on the bundesliga for uefa and talk sport and general german football expert i'm really excited to have kevin on the show today someone we've wanted to have on ranks fc for some time 
This is the sixth and final installment of our preview series. So if you haven't already, please do go back and listen to the other episodes. We've done specials on Serie A, on the Premier League, on Liga and La Liga. We also did a joint episode where we talked about the Portuguese Primeira Liga and the Eredivisie in the Netherlands. But today we're focusing on the Bundesliga and what could be one of the most exciting Bundesliga seasons on record, especially at the top of the table Let's get into it. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where I'm delighted to say that I am joined by Bundesliga commentator and a man I've been desperate to get onto this podcast for a long, long time, Mr. Kevin Hatchard. How are you doing, mate? Really good. Really glad to be on the show. No, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. And I'm excited to talk about the Bundesliga with you today because it looks like a wild season ahead, I think, in many ways. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think obviously the signing of Harry Kane is the one that's made everybody sit up and take notice. Yeah. But I think the fascinating thing is going to be, can that paper over the cracks? Because if you look at what happens in the Super Cup at home to Leipzig, they were torn apart at times. Leipzig have now gone there twice in quick succession, once in the league, once in the Super Cup. And not only have they won, but they've won really well. And... Bayern, not for the first time under Thomas Tuchel, looked really pedestrian in possession, looked vulnerable on the counter. And Harry Kane came on, yes, barely touched the ball. And they're going to have to find a way of getting him the right service. And also getting back to that kind of aura of invincibility that I felt they had at one stage under Julian Nagelsmann. But the decision to dispense with him, I said at the time, I thought was a mistake. I still do. And at the moment, they seem quite far from that. Yeah, I think this is the thing. You know, a lot of people will look at the Bundesliga and look at the fact that Bayern have won 11 titles in a row. And they'll go, well, this is a foregone conclusion. But I think actually after the end of last season and how we saw it all determine and and kind of descend into chaos towards the end of things. And with Leipzig on the up and with a good summer for Dortmund, I think that all of this is, is it, yes, you look at this Bayern team on paper, they've brought in Harry Kane, as you say, Kim Min-Jae from Napoli, who was one of the best centre-halves in Europe, I think, last year. Conrad Leimer feels like a very natural fit and Raf Guerreiro coming in from Dortmund on a free, I think is smart business. There's nothing on here, you know, that you go, well, Bayern shouldn't win this again. And yet there was that performance in the Super Cup. Now, we probably shouldn't, dial too deep into a Super Cup performance and it will take some time for things to click. But it does feel like behind the scenes at Bayern, everything's a little bit all over the place. Obviously, we had a, you know, a change of hierarchy last season. At the end of last season, the day after they won the title, it was announced that, that Oliver Kahn was leaving and Hassan Salahamidic was, was leaving as well. But also, I think behind that, the fact that Tuchel and Kimmich have seen to have butted heads. There seems to be a little bit of upheaval in the dressing room. This is obviously a new era. They haven't signed a, you know someone who's going to start the season in goal. Off the options there, Kepa fell through. Geronimo Rui fell through. All of these things put together just leave me a little bit on edge in terms of buying, even if Kane is the, the headline signing of the summer. Yeah, well, I think Tuchel's situation is really interesting because he's probably got more influence and power than most of his predecessors have had because of that vacuum, because yeah. Oliver Kahn went, Salah Hamidzic went, and the guys who've come in are seen more as administrative guys, not guys who would necessarily have super strong opinions about the football side of things. And certainly 
guys who wouldn't necessarily overrule um, Thomas Tuchel. So what you've got actually is this situation where the band's back together. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge is back in the building. Tom, uh, uh, Uli Hernis is back in the building in a big way. And so that side of it has gone back to how it used to be. Yeah. But in that, they've given Tuchel a fair bit of leeway. Tuchel drove the Harry Kane pursuit quite a lot. They were looking at Harry Kane for a long time before Tuchel got there. But Tuchel was absolutely on board with that. They wanted Kyle Walker. It doesn't look as though that's going to happen at the time we record. It looks as though he's obviously staying at Manchester City. So I think that's been really interesting that Tuchel's been the big driver of policy in the transfer market alongside Hernis and Rummenigge, whereas in years gone by, it would have just been Hernis and Rummenigge and the coach gets what they're given. So I think that's quite an interesting dynamic. And there are a lot of people lining up waiting for Tuchel to fail because he can be quite a divisive figure, as we know. He's very intense. You look at the Super Cup defeat. He came out and said, I'll have to apologize to Harry Kane because it looks like we haven't trained for four weeks. So he's been kind quite of your happy. job, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's been kind of happy to shred players in public. And he's done that very early. He, he was doing that in the opening games of his tenure. And they just about crept over the line to get the title won. But on a regular basis, he was he was outing players for poor performances. And you look at the Sadio Mane situation, you know, he was quite open about the fact he didn't think he was going to play, didn't think there was an opportunity for him in his team. Mane wanted to stay. Mane wanted to make something of that move to Bayern, but wasn't given that opportunity. And as you say, Joseba Kimmich, he said that he's not untouchable. He's talked about Leon Goretzka's poor form. So that's fine. He can crack the whip. But if you get five match days into the season and you're not top, you've got eight points suddenly tongues start to wag. And at Bayern, and Harry Kane's going to find this, every draw is a disaster. Yep. And even when you win, if you don't win by miles, people are talking about it. So he's dropped himself, Kane, into a big soap opera. So I hope he's ready for it. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a type who, who likes a soap opera either. He no, strikes me as a type who likes <laughs> an easy, quiet life. And I don't think that's what he's going to find at Bayern. Yeah, it does feel like a lot of upheaval. And I suppose that opens the gate a little bit. Now, as we say, on paper, maybe not. On paper, maybe you look at this side and go, why would anybody be able to stop them? But I just think those murmurings of discontent are starting to seep through a little bit more and you see it off the back of a, a result like that against Leipzig. And we'll come on to Leipzig because they looked sensational. And, you know, Marco Rosa was parachuted in last season to kind of turn the season around when they were in a dark spot. He did so. Not quite to the extent that maybe the Leipzig players wanted. We had Timo Werner being like, we can't, you know, we can't let these kind of opportunities slide when Bayern and, and Dortmund aren't playing this well. And we, we haven't taken a massive opportunity. But they've had a lot of upheaval, I think, if, if you look at this this summer window. Obviously, they've lost Soberslide, they've lost Gravadiol, they've lost Nkunku, they've lost Solot, who was out on loan last year. Fine, no problem. But Lima's gone. There's a couple of... Andre Silva's gone. And you, yet, you kind of look at this and go, right, Appenders through the door, Lukeba's through the door, Seshko, that's been booked for 11 months, but at 24 million euros, that looks like exceptional business for a player who I think could be an absolute world beater. Sivald's through the door, Fabio Carvalho's come in on loan, Xavi Simons has come in on loan. It feels like an incredibly exciting time to be a part of things at Leipzig, I think. Yeah, I think so. 
I think what was really interesting about the Super Cup was how ready they looked. Yeah. Because, as you say, they've lost a hell of a lot of talent. They've made nine new signings. And the fear was, and still is to some extent, that what's happened in the last two seasons is going to happen to them again. Because Jesse Marsh went in there, didn't work out, false start, lost the chance of pushing for the league. Yeah. Domenico Tedesco replaced him, won the cup. Then last season won five points from his first five games. He was out the door. And by the time Rosa took over, I, I know Bayern slipped up. I know Dortmund's, you know, I know the, the points total suggests Leipzig had a chance. Realistically, they were too far if back. you look at what Rosa did, he got more points than Bayern in that spell. I think he got 61 and they got 60. So they hit quite a high level when he was there and they won the cup again. So... I think the talent is there. I felt that for a long time with Leipzig, actually. I've always felt, in terms of the depth, they're stronger than Dortmund, I feel. And I definitely feel that this season. Because, as you say, Lois Aponda has gone in there. We know how many goals he got for Lens last season. I thought he looked quite lively in the Super Cup. Yeah, Sheshko came on as a sub and had a couple of chances. Didn't make best use of them, but is this kind of breed of younger centre-forwards who are built like tanks, but absolutely fly. So he's got that mix of strength and speed, and he can play. Boy, can he play. I really like Zyvelt as a signing. I think he's not like Lima. He's been at pains to stress that. He's a a tackling machine. He's a defensive machine rather than Lima, who's a bit more box-to-box, certainly has become more box-to-box as he's developed. Yeah. And Xavi Simons, I loved his performance on Saturday. He looked like he's been there forever, right? He's slotted in absolutely seamlessly. Yeah, I think he gets it. I think he understands that role, that link between that midfield two and the front two, because he understands that you can, the way you can link up with the front two. Because with that four box two, you've got that opportunity where, you can go beyond those players if you want to, beyond the front two, but also you can create those little pockets of space where you can slip them through if they get in behind the last line. So I think he's a really nice pickup, I think, because he takes contact. He's happy to do that. I think he'll find it rougher physically in the Bundesliga than he did in the Eredivisie, yeah. but that's fine. He'll get used to that because there's something quite tough about him, I think. And I think he's going to be really, really good. So the the only fear I would have about them is defensively and the goalkeeper. Because I think Blasvik has done fine. I think he's done absolutely fine. I think with the ball at his feet, he's not not terrible. I think he's okay. Um, But he's not a top-line goalkeeper, is the truth of it. He's a career guy, a kind of veteran guy who's really stepped up. So I worry about that slightly because it was never massively sold on Gulachi anyway. And we don't know what he's going to be like after a long spell out. And I worry a little bit uh, about the back line. Uh, only because I just think Orban's great. I've got no problems with him. Lukeba, I know, has, has got rave reviews at Leon, But you're asking a lot to just chuck him in and just hope that it's okay. So that would be the one area. But I think in general... They're absolutely set up to take on Bayern. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Orban Sirikan's fine as well, which means that you've got a little bit of time to blood the likes of Lukeba and, and Bichiabu, which is which is something I suppose that 
is a nice start to the season, if you will. They they have that little bit of time. Simicon played really well, Jack. Yeah, Simicon played really well. And he's had this, as you'll know, he's had this weird thing where he was a right back, then he was a centre back, then he was a right back. And so he's kind of shifted between the two. But he was really good against Bayern, especially in the air. I, I thought he was really good in the air. So, so yeah, you're right. I think Simicon could do pretty well, actually. Yeah, I think I think this team looks like a, a challenger. I think the other thing is obviously we can we can move on to, to Dortmund and the end of last season was obviously a disaster, right? I think, I think that no one associated with the club and actually quite a lot of the noises coming out of the club have, have been them kind of fronting up and accepting it, which I, which I really liked. It was like, yep, that really hurt. It was rubbish. We don't want to experience that again. We want to put it right. And I think in times gone by, when you've sort of dealt with Dortmund and, and looked at Dortmund, they've kind of always been like, yeah, but Bayern are so good. So what can we do about it? Whereas this, it felt like they were fronting up. Now, Bellingham's obviously a massive loss and Guerrero's gone as well. But I think they've signed really smartly, right? Sabitzer coming in there um, and, and looked really good in their cup game uh, at the weekend. Ben Sabayini come in at left back as a perfectly good, like for like, maybe upgrade at least replacement. And then Felix Metzger came in from, from Wolfsburg, who is a, a really interesting player as well. I like what they've done in this window. And I like that, obviously, this season, we're going to hopefully see the best without issue of Sebastian Allaire, or of Daniel Marlon, of Karim Adeyemi. These are all players stepping up. And I think that Terzic has got a really nice blend in this squad. Obviously, Marco Royce resigning the captaincy, but in a very classy well put together way it just feels like this squad is in harmony and that that's obviously a good thing now you look at Dortmund's points total from last year and it isn't particularly great but actually I think that they feel like they're in a better place this summer and for once it feels like Bayern are the side in absolute shambles behind the scenes and Borussia Dortmund are you know presenting this kind of very united front and I think that's a nice thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think they've just got to do it. The thing is, we, yeah. we've had years of them talking about it, but they've got to do it. And my fear for them is it's one thing to say that they don't want to have that again. And you're right. I agree with you completely. I, I think they have been honest about it. They have fronted up. They haven't just shrugged their shoulders and said, well, it's Bayern. Of course, they're going to beat us to the league. They've realized that they completely blew the opportunity to win the league. Hmm. It's how that affects the start they make to the season. I think if they start well and get a bit of momentum, they're in with a shot. My fear is that if you look at last season, they had that awful run towards the World Cup. And I remember doing their last game against Gladbach and it was as typical a Dortmund's display as you can imagine in the sense that really vulnerable defensively yeah. and just blew an opportunity to put some pressure on Bayern before the World Cup. And they'd lost to Wolfsburg just before that as well. So it was a dreadful week. I have to give them credit for the way they turned things around. But there has to be a tiny bit of context there in the sense that they had a really last gasp win over Augsburg, really last gasp win over Mainz. There's some really, really tight games that they found a way through. But ultimately, as you say, the points tally... He's good, but he wouldn't win the league normally. Most years, yeah. So now it's got to be a step. I love the Zabitzer signing. I think that's great. And I think the fact that, you know, you've got Zulas in there, you've got Zabitzer in there, you've got guys who played for Bayern who've, who've won stuff. I, I think he's good. Mecha, we'll see. I, I was a little bit 
not surprised because I think there's clear talent there, but I think he has to show he can do that convincingly and consistently. Yeah. And I think there's obviously been some controversy in the, in the first place with him coming in with some of his, um, some of the views that have been attributed to him maybe. Um, so look, we'll see. I, I, I think I want Alair to, to have a great season uh, just because I, I love him anyway. But obviously what he's been through in the last year or so, uh, I'd love him to do well. Yeah. They're great fun. They're really great fun, but I think they have to start well because if they, think if they don't, what will happen is all of the questions about Terzic, which people ask, is he actually a really good tactical coach? I think that's going to come back and it will just upset things a little bit. So I think they've got to start super well. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, right. Is there anyone else here in this sort of chasing pack that could be in the title race? Or is this, does it feel like it's those three and then a sort of scrap for that last Champions League spot? Because obviously Union Berlin have sort of cemented themselves as a top six side in the Bundesliga now. And this squad is so big. It's it, it's wild. It's forest size <laughs> squad, isn't it? It feels like that kind of that kind of capacity. But that's not to say, you know, the way that they play, they're so intense, takes so much out of players. It does feel like they need this kind of thing. And actually, last year the World Cup break probably actually helped Union Berlin in terms of just being able to reset yeah. and and regain that verve that took them back into the you know the top four and then eventually to a Champions League place. But I like what. Xabi Alonso is doing at Leverkusen as well. I think that they've signed well. They've only lost one, you know, big player in, in Moussa Diaby, it feels like, to who who was one of the big three, if you will, uh, at Leverkusen. And then there's Freiburg, who are, well, just the, the most consistent, solid side. But I do think there comes a point where does the, the magic of this run out a little bit? Yeah, well, I think if we start with Union, I think you're spot on about that, that, World Cup break because they were on their out on their feet. Yeah, when they got to that point, and then they got was it Leverkusen? And they got absolutely smashed, and you just Trumps, thought, ah, yeah. okay, this is starting to run out of gas a little bit. I think Oliver Runert's done a really good job in, in terms of he's the guy who, who plans the squad effectively. He's the guy in charge of the transfers. Obviously, they work very closely with Urs Fischer in that regard. But the fact that they're signed, they've signed Robin Gosens who's a Champions League quality left wing back, who's a German international um, and has played at a major tournament. And you just think, oh, wow, okay, that's where we're at now, is it? So they've signed him. As we speak, they're talking about finalising a move for Kevin Folland. I think that's a perfect Union signing because he's a bit of a scrapper and he's also somebody with massive experience. And I think the fact that because they've got so many players – what they end up happening, what ends up happening is you have immense competition for places. And Urs Fish is quite brutal. If you're not up to it, you're out, really. Yeah. And look at what's happened to Jordan. Jordan started ever so well last season, was scoring goals, and then he stopped. And then he wasn't playing well, and he can't get in the team. And so there is a kind of democratization almost of that squad, whereby if you do well, you will get game time but there are there are signings they've made that haven't even played mm. um you know rick von drongola went there and I, I'm, I'm not sure he ever even played i i didn't commentate on him playing at all so he just kind of disappeared back out on loan so they're, they're quite happy to bring in a ton of guys and it's sink or swim 
and it has worked for them. Those wing-back positions are so important, yeah. so, so important. And the fact that Gieselman, they've been prepared to let him go because they knew they were going to bring in Gosens. It's just amazing. So I like them. I think they'll be in the mix for top four again, but obviously the Champions League affects a lot, a lot of them, but they're used to it at least, balancing those competitions. Freiburg, I agree with you. I think it's got to come to an end sometime, and I feel like this could be it. Um, I like Adamu. I think that that's smart. Good signing, yeah, yeah, the that's Flecken smart. One, and, the Flecken departure, I'm worried about. Yeah, I, I do think that's a concern. I, I think the the thing with them is that it is all about the collective. So you think there's only so far they can fall, really? Yeah, because strike is gonna you know, he's not going to allow any kind of slippage in general. So I I think they'll be fine. And I think if they end up in mid-table, but they have another good European run and get some cash in, that's absolutely fine. Um, And Leverkusen, I like. I I don't think they're quite ready for a title push. I don't think. But I I, I really like the Boniface signing. I think he's going to get loads of goals. Yeah, I I think he's... Because I think the whole thing's set up for him to do well. They coped without Schick for most of the season because of his injury problems. Diaby leaving, I think, is fine because I actually think Hoffman is such a smart pickup. Yeah. Because he's versatile, scores goals, makes goals, has pace, really intelligent footballer. And so, I mean, that is a, that is as big a kick in the stomach for Gladbach as you can imagine watching him toddle off down the road yeah. to join Leverkusen. So that was a really good signing. Xhaka, I think, is a real statement for them. And they've got a ton of good players already. And, you know, for all the talk of clubs queuing up for Frimpong, um, I still think he could be effective. So I think they've got a really good squad. I'm just not quite sure they're going to they're going to be able to make an impression on the title. But I think top four for them would be a big step forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, swapping Mitchell back of Ali Grimaldo, a left back, I think. Oh, it's great. What a move. Genius. Genius. And and look, it Alonso at this point is becoming a little bit of a wingback whisperer. I use this phrase for Rod, Rob Edwards loosely, but it does <laughs> feel like that Alonso has, has really adapted to this squad and I think that's maybe the nice thing about this you know some managers come in with a really set philosophy of what they were going to do and what I loved about Chabby's Leverkusen last year was that he went in and went well obviously I have to get these four players into the correct positions I need to get Wirtz yeah. into the right position I need to get Frimpong into the right position you know and and from there I'll work the rest of it out and yeah. he settled on this on this system I think it's been getting good results out of, of Tapsoba that he might go but Hincapia is there to step in and he's played sort of left wing back and left centre back. It just feels like they're really building something that works for the system. And and that I like a lot. Yeah. And I think they've got a lot of game changers and you've mentioned a few of them there. Vietz is obviously the top one. I mean, he's the best player they've got and he's just incredibly skillful, aware. I mean, you know, much as it pains me to say it, because I never want any, top players to leave the Bundesliga but I would be gobsmacked if he doesn't end up at Manchester City at some stage because he feels like the kind of player Pep Guardiola would absolutely love to work with because he's so intelligent in terms of his movement in terms of what's around him 
Frimpong I like, even though he can't defend to save his life. Frimpong I absolutely love as an attacking wing back. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I think Alonso has found a system whereby it doesn't matter that much if Frimpong can't defend that well because he basically plays as a winger, doesn't yeah. he, really? And that has unlocked him in terms of goal scoring, in terms of assists, in terms of what he contributes to the team overall. Grimaldo for Benfica, as we know, has been brilliant going forwards. So I expect that to be a real boost on that left-hand side. Backer, I've always felt, is quite a ponderous player. I'm, 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 I'm never massively convinced by him. So I think that's a huge step forwards. And I, I just think overall, there's a lot of firepower there. So... I think if Xabi Alonso can bring that to bear, that they should be in that top four, I, I think. I, th- I think realistically, it's where we always expect to be, which is Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig and Leverkusen. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the four again this year. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Just in terms of the last bit before we move on to, to our part two, um, is there anyone looking to sort of challenge this? Is, it feels like a quite an established, top, not established, that's maybe the wrong word, but it feels like this top seven doesn't have all that much changeability in it now one team might drop out it might be Freiburg under Christian Strike. he's good at rebuilds but it might just be a season too far this one you know we've got Frankfurt on the edge here Wolfsburg on the edge even Mainz and under Bo Svensson who I absolutely adore and um, but I think that it just feels like Frankfurt are in a state of complete and utter flux over whether Colin Moani's yeah. going to go or not. Obviously, we saw Kamada leave. We saw Gibral Sal leave. It just feels like there's all a lot going on. Evan and Dika left. And then Dino Topmoll has come in as the manager. I'm unconvinced, even if their 7 yeah. at the weekend was impressive. And Wolfsburg losing Metcher, as you say. They brought in Jürgen Mailer, which I thought was an interesting move. But there's all there's a lot sort of going on. And and I don't know quite if any of these sides below, below that sort of 7 have the capacity to to jump in and go, yeah, this is me. This is my season. This is why. For me, it's Wolfsburg, I think, because Niko Kovac has been there a while now. He's got his feet under the table. He knows the way he wants to play. Mailer, I think, is a super grab. I think the Bundesliga is made for him because of the transitional nature of it. I think he'll love that. Um, So I think he'll be great. Lovre Meyer, I think if they get that done, uh, and it seems very close to being done, uh, as we talk right now. I think that's really smart. I think there's an opportunity for him to really... He's done well in France. We know about his talent. We've known about that for a long time. He can make that that leap, and I, I think he can do that at Wolfsburg. You've got guys like Kaminsky, who I think uh, have got a bit of experience now, who can really kick on. And if, if Lucas Mecha can stay fit, there's goals there, potentially. If Thiago Tomas gets going, I think that there is a yeah. real player in there. I know he didn't show it at Stuttgart, but I think there is a real player in there somewhere. I'm, I'm just sort of waiting for it to emerge. Well, what I like about him is he affects the game. That That's yeah. the thing. He's always trying to affect the game. And I think, frankly, in a Stuttgart team that was battling relegation, it's not that easy mm. to affect the game. You're not always going to get the service, but he's got some lovely touches. He really does. And and there's a real... So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good grab. Uh, and I just think financially they do have the ability, if they were in the mix halfway through the season, I know they've they've scaled it down a bit, but I do think they've got the ability to, to bring in players. So, good coach, proven coach. 
some really good players. I think there's an opportunity for them to replace Freiburg in that kind of top echelon, to be honest. Because if you put the squads up against each other, really, Wolfsburg have got to be doing it. But obviously, you've got the strike factor. So, yeah, I I think if anyone's going to do it, I feel like Wolfsburg are going to do it. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there for part one. In part two, we're going to be looking quickly at the new boys and a couple of sides who might struggle this year. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part two of the Ranks FC podcast. I'm joined by Kevin Hatchard, Bundesliga commentator. And we're looking at all things German top flight. Um, and Kev, I think it's been really interesting to see the two promoted sides this year. Uh, Heidenheim having their own sort of fairy story. Luton Town comparisons been thrown around all over the place. Uh, and Darmstadt are back, which I like as well, which uh, makes me very, very happy. So I was wondering on your thoughts on how these two sides might well get on. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, Jack, to be honest, because normally what I like to do when teams come up is I like to have a little look at them and see how they're going to adapt and see how they're going to do. But I probably fear for these two a bit more than usual. I, I kind of feared for Furtz when they came up. I was pretty sure they were going to go straight back down, and so it proved because yeah. they'd, they'd gone up and they'd lost all of their key players and hadn't really brought anybody in to replace them. I did commentate on Darmstadt Homburg in the... Death Bay Pokal on Monday and wow they were bad they were really bad and Homburg are a fourth division team and they took them apart and I know you can't read too much into that because it's the Pokal it's the first game in the season you go away to a lower league team it's going to be tough but I just wonder because of course Philip Tietz has gone yeah. across to Augsburg and he was an important source of goals for them and I think there are questions about Torsten Lieberknecht as well, because he wasn't able to keep Braunschweig in the top flight when when they went up. And he doesn't have a lot of top-level experience. He's clearly a good coach. He's, he's, he's a cult figure. He's very popular. I, I just wonder how are they going to be able to... Because the spending is modest, as you'd understand, and let's just look at some of the other established teams that you'd think might slip down. And I wonder whether they're going to be a bit insulated. I think Stuttgart probably going to be a bit better under Hernis this season. Yeah. And I think they've made some interesting signings. I think Hoffenheim are going to be fine under Matarazzo. Veghorst's gone in there. He should get loads of goals. I don't expect them to have as bad a season as they've had. Curl nothing under Baumgart. I think will probably be okay too. And so you look at Darmstadt and you look at Heidenheim and I love that Frank Schmidt has finally got them up. It's great, isn't he's it? He's been there since, what, 2007, Frank Schmidt <laughs> took over. So Was it four divisions kept... they've come through in that time? It's, it's crazy. been amazing. Really impressive. I love it. I love it. I love what he's done. But again, the spending is so modest. And it, and it has to be because they, they cannot have a situation where they go up, they bet the farm, they come down and they're in big financial difficulty. Yeah. You just can't do that. So I think they'll be competitive, both of them. But I do fear for them because I just think Hertha have been circling the drain for a long time and they've gone. Schalke were always going to be in trouble because of the quality of the squad they had. But there aren't many obvious teams that you think, oh, wow, they're definitely going to struggle. And that's why I think it will be tough for the two who've come up. Yeah, I mean, Heidenheim have hung on to the 
the sort of power duo, right, of, of Clandonst and Bester. So that's something to hang on to. Um, yeah. And they're, they, were, they were exceptional last year in the Zweite Bundesliga. Yeah, and Kleindienst is an interesting one because he's one that has kind of bounced around a bit between those, the, the Bundesliga and, and Bundesliga 2. There's always been talk of whether he could do it on a regular basis. You know, you look at guys like Simon Tarada is the one we always talk about, isn't he? Because yeah. he bangs in goals for fun in, in Bundesliga 2. Then you get him into the Bundesliga. It's not that he suddenly becomes some kind of appalling player. But what it is, is that in Bundesliga 2, he plays for teams who chase promotion. And in the Bundesliga, he plays for relegation battlers who just don't have as many chances, don't have the ball as much. So, yeah, and Bester's an interesting one as well because he's been a bit of a slow burner in his career. There was, yeah. there was talk about him really breaking through a few years ago. So I'm really glad to see he's he's found that consistency. So, yeah, the, it's a chance for them to show they can compete at this level and they can do well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there, is there anyone else that you can see being dragged into this mix? I agree with you on Stuttgart. I think there's been some good signings in there as well. Obviously, they made that Jurassic deal permanent. Nubel on loan feels like a really sensible thing to do. Yeah. I still think that there's a player in Dennis Undav. Um, I know that he's he didn't shine in the Premier League, but I thought what he did in Belgium was enough to suggest that he could yeah. score goals at this level. All of that, I'm like, yeah, I, I think that Stuttgart are, are going to improve. As you say, I think Augsburg have made some pretty smart signings. I know they've just got absolutely gone for it up front. Um, seemingly losing Ricardo Pepe has, has just inspired them into action. Um, <laughs> was he ever there? Exactly. Ever there? The question is, <laughs> it was like the player that was the ghost seems to have been the one that has managed to go, right, we're both three strikers and that's what's going on here now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think they'll be better than they were last year, as you say. I did see Hoffenheim at the at Craven Cottage in a pre-season friendly and they should have been 3-0 up against Fulham at half time and weren't and then lost 2-1 and yes Veghorst a, a sort of sorts out some of this situation but they were bad in front of goal and that is an issue I think yeah you're asking a lot of Kramerich and Veghorst and Kramerich obviously doesn't play up front per se he kind of floats around does whatever he feels like and it's effective so you you can't stop him from doing that I do think losing Baumgartner's big to Leipzig we didn't actually talk about him when we talked about um, Leipzig but he's a super player super player really imaginative really creative really tough as well makes things happen yeah pain in the bum for for the opposition he's always at you always like barking at you so I really like him so I think they'll miss him but I like Matarazzo I think Matarazzo's a decent coach Uh, and I think there's enough quality there to to keep them out of trouble so Augsburg I think are interesting because Marzen is a really good coach, I think, with really interesting ideas. It's just about they tend to sign quite a lot of they've tended to sign quite a lot of younger players because they're guys that Marzen would have noticed when he was a reserve team coach at Dortmund. Yeah. So it's quite interesting. A lot of the guys they've brought in, I think, are guys that he had his eye on previously. So then it's about just making sure all those young guys can perform well um, on a consistent basis. But they should have Dorsch back. Dorsch missed pretty much the whole of last season, and that was massive. So they should have him back. That should be a big boost. So again, I just think obviously somebody's going to be in that relegation playoff spot, so they can't all avoid it. But I just wonder whether the gap between the bottom two and the rest is going to be a bit bigger than usual. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. It makes sense. Bochum are the one, I suppose, that I could see dropping in. I'm, I'm not wild on this business. And no, um, whilst I, it doesn't I, feel like it's too much change from last year, last year wasn't great either. I think you're right. I, th- I think I, I actually thought they'd go down last season. Uh, they were my tip for relegation last season and they managed to find a way out of it. But the quality of the squad's not great. Yeah, I'm still not sure how they found their way out of it. No, no. Well, uh, Thomas Lech, to be fair to him, found a way to win home games. Yeah, that was the true. key. He, what he did was he restored that ability to win at home because that's that, that's their best player is the crowd at the Ruhrstadion. You know that that is their best player because they seem to be able to get results against. I mean, they beat Leipzig there. They they've had some great results there. Um, they've obviously beaten Bayern not last season, but the season before. Yeah. So they've had some great results there. But I do look at that squad and you think it's not it's not the best. So th- there's a fair bit of work for Lech to do there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that, Kevin, I think we're going to call this to a halt. But thank you so much for all of your insight and knowledge on the Bundesliga. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Cheers, Jack. It was great. Well, there we have it. All six of our preview series now wrapped up. Thank you so much to Kevin for coming on today. A real delight to have him on talking all things German football. But thank you to everyone who's been a part of this preview series as well. We've really, really loved talking about all of Europe's big seven leagues across the course of the last couple of weeks. And we can't wait to get into the season proper. There's going to be plenty more coming here on Ranks FC. If you're not already a member of our brilliant patron community, we'd love to have you over with the Ultras. There's two extra episodes a week, a Monday post box where we go through everything across the weekend just gone in football, answering all of our Ultras questions. And then on a Thursday, we look forward to the weekend ahead, taking a look at a couple of games in depth and reflecting on all the news spills transfer shenanigans and loads loads more there's gonna be loads coming on this ranks fc main feed as well this season we've got a special series plan called beyond the pitch where we're going to be looking at different roles in football and talking to the people who carry out the things that make your football club tick but for now thank you so much for listening today and we will see you very shortly rank squad take it easy peace Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.